Welcome back to this season of the Digital Orthopedics Podcast, where we bring you the audio files from the DocSF Experience 2022, which was held on April 28th and 29th, 2022 in San Francisco. I'm Dr. Stefano Bini, your host for this podcast and the founder and chair of DocSF. In this podcast, we'll hear from Nico Stefani from Philips, where he's the global strategic clinical leader and chief medical officer. He talked to us about the future of medical imaging. Let's join Nico on the DocSF stage in San Francisco. So when we think about these technologies that we want to look at that are going to change and define how we work, how we live, how we practice, we wanted to start with AI. And AI is huge and vast. And everybody that we talk to, futurists, they all agree that it is already having a massive impact and it's going to continue to have an exponentially massive impact. But it's big. So we decided we're going to start with imaging. Yes. Imaging and computer vision. Those are two areas that we feel are going to impact musculoskeletal care the most within the world of AI, at least for the purpose of this conference. It's AI at the DocSF Venture, which we presented at JP Morgan this year. We looked at all the investments that are happening in this space, and all 54% of the investments are involved in AI. So we couldn't cover the whole space. No, no, we can't. But what we thought would be a good place to start is in radiology. What's really interesting about radiology, at this moment in time, billions of images are performed every day around the globe. The volume of storage that that's requiring, and interestingly enough, despite there being the ubiquity and the growth of the technology, according to the World Health Organization, close to two-thirds of the world actually doesn't have access to digital Im or to any type of imaging. The other part that's really interesting about this is how many, the size of this category in the billions of dollars just in U.S. markets. So when we think about the role of diagnostic imaging and how it's so fundamental to our care systems, we thought it'd be really good to start with somebody who has spent their life at the very early stages thinking about how can I improve the lives of others? And he started out as a radiology technician. And there's very few parts of the radiology experience from the provider side all the way to on the patient side, every single step of the way to the point where now he is the global strategic clinical leader and chief medical officer at Philips and thinking very deeply about the future of medical imaging. So please welcome to the stage. Nico Stefani. Okay, hopefully you can hear me. I'm always scared about this clicker all the time. So that's the thing scare me the most. So thank you again for, for inviting me here. It's a pleasure. And uh, hopefully I can bring a little bit of, uh, you know, background on how AI is moving uh, in the, the imaging, but also how actually as a company, we are expanding outside just uh, imaging as well. So I want to start with a little bit of background uh, and uh, why we need to transform healthcare. So what we see uh, now uh, started even before the pandemic, there are uh, four fundamental trends and insight that are transforming the health in technology. And uh, so the first one is the global constraint of resources. So again, we know now after the pandemic, uh, a component are missing, uh, is, is hard to deliver on devices. But what is more important is that there is a lot of lack in funding the light labor. So when you look at, you know, radiologists, technologists, physicians, they're always less and less and we need to do more. So the concept of value-based care and how we focus on patient outcome at the lower cost uh, is really, at least for us, uh, one of the key points. The second one that I'm sure you are really familiar is that the aging of the population and the chronic diseases. So how do we bring the hospital at home? How do we make sure that we are proactive uh, and that we monitor the patient? So starting really from early detection, but also, you know, post-treatment. And tied to this is the increasing on the consumer and patient engagement. So how are patients 
they want to be involved. They want to be part of the decision. They want to own their own data. And uh, again, how we can help this conversation, how we can help uh, orchestrating their journey. And the fourth is digitalization and AI. And I hope that when actually I finish uh, today, you are going to think also at Philips as something that is outside of devices, outside of the core business of making machine, because that's what we started to do, you know, a couple of years ago. And that's where we want to play, you know, in the next years as well. So again, some challenges that we, we see with our customer, mostly, you know, three bucket of challenges. The first one is, as we said, we need to do more with less. Actually, after the pandemic, we see a surge of uh, diagnostic imaging requests. So how we enlarge patient access, but on the other hand, how we make sure that our staff is comfortable. Because again, I think when we look back in radiology, you know, 10 years ago, there was a focus on the patient and a little bit less on the staff. But now the staff is becoming a problem. Maybe we didn't dedicate the right time to make sure that are comfortable, that they can perform their task and that they love what they do. And the third one that for me is the most important is that uh, we did work for many, many years in uh, implementing these old vendors and, and also institution, different IT tooling and storage and software and packs. Uh, and uh, I think when we did that, no one was thinking at how we are going to handle the interoperability. And in my opinion, if we don't fix and break this silo, AI is never going to work. Okay, because AI need data, need the data exchange, need data viability. So no matter if you're talking oncology, cardiology, orthopedics, uh, or neurology, you need this flow of data. You need that also us as industry and vendors, we help you do that. So we need to work together towards this goal. If not, I don't think we can have the leverage, the, the great power of AI. So I want to put some numbers. Again, we measure the problem. And again, at least from what we see, we actually, we need to engage more with the patient. We have a lot of problems. A lot of institutions that have problems with patient not be compliant with the follow-up uh, as well. Like no-show, at least in US, is a, is a big problem. No? So, and when you have a no-show, that means that uh, you miss a spot for a patient that actually need to be there. And other things that I want to show that, again, as I said, focus on the staff. This is really, really a shorter of radiologists and technologists at the moment. So that impact the complexity of the exam that you can perform and include variability. So, you know, how AI could help on that. And uh, the last one is uh, there was an increase in the last 30 years, like a temporary increase on the, on the fold that uh, have been used for decision-making. And this is not gonna get better, at least for what we think. So if you think again, 20, 30 years ago, we look at the images, you look at the images, uh, now there is much more than that. Now, now we have images, we have, uh, you know, we can do evaluation on uh, quantification. Uh, in MR, you do quantification of, uh, for example, signals, uh, you do spectroscopy, but also we are adding different elements like pathology, genomics. So the data, they're not gonna get less, the data are gonna get bigger and bigger. So how we can handle that, how you can handle that. So as Philips, we believe in any case that uh, AI need to be combined with a strong clinical expertise. Again, uh, I was with one of my colleagues and again, a lot of friends uh, in the field. Uh, and we always make a joke, no, that uh, how helpful is a resident for you, no? So you do a lot of tasks, it can help you. So what if you have a virtual resident? What if you have a virtual assistant? So we see AI has uh, a support but then need a strong clinical drive, a strong clinical operation drive that support the use of it. Also, as you see, there is like an explosion of AI. You know, Stefano was at Vive, again in Miami where I live. And I think you can see there, there is like so many companies from startup, also company like us, 
is becoming confusing. No, yeah, and uh, and so what what I like to do, at least, and what is helping us as a company too, is that uh, can we try to create some segment? Because also look at this as a, a progression. Okay, so we start from augmented expertise, and uh, that's the most easy. So I'm going to show you some example of what I mean with that. But usually that's the AI that is attached to a device. Okay, so pretty easy, straightforward, and um, and again, like uh, also from a model standpoint. Uh, is easy to be acquired. The second one is uh, improve operation. So we said uh, how is important to really make sure that now we reduce cost and uh, of course we improve the outcome of the patient. And uh, operational is key here. So how AI can drive that and starting really from following the patient journey from engagement, early diagnostic to really follow up. And the third one is what we are working on. It's kind of like our 2025 20, uh, vision is that uh, can after that start to orchestrate? Can we start to be predictive? Can we use AI to orchestrate a care pathway? So let's go to some example. When we talk about augmented expertise, we talk about assistant, okay? So as I said, there is lack of technology. So, so some solution tied to devices, how can they help them do a better job? Or actually, if you have tech in training, how can actually a junior tech start to work in autonomy earlier, no? so that actually you can have more labor, more force. This is an example in X-Ray. Okay, so this is an application that we have uh, that uh, basically analyze uh, is the right collimation, is the right positioning, uh, is the image good enough no? so that we can avoid recall and also make the tech uh, really like if having an assistant with him to support him, is their quality check. So also you kind of like shy away to think of uh, Okay, my, you know, this is a threat to my job. No, it's a support. Same things when you start to do, look at CT. So what actually, instead of just having a person to position the patient, you have an, a camera, an AI-based camera post-processing that allowed for the perfect patient positioning so that you don't make mistake, okay? So, and you go faster. And what is more complex than ultrasound? So ultrasound, again, you need to identify the images, you need to identify the angle, you need to capture the images, and you need most of the time to do measurement, no matter if it's cardiology, orthopedics, or others. So what actually, if we AI, we can do most of these tasks in automation, okay? What actually, if we can really reduce variability, and uh, it was during COVID, at least we saw, that there was a lot of lack of expertise, uh, for example, to perform lung ultrasound. And uh, this kind of application have helped actually to increase patient access, for example, in when you triage a patient that come in the emergency department for COVID. So there was actually a lot of, not a lot of radiologists that were used to do lung ultrasound. So AI in that case uh, has helped to, to enlarge the patient access uh, and to actually have them, have them a better triage. So we have many, many things. You know, as I said before, you can go from really like to orthopedics, to lung, to cardiac, to neuro. So probably this is the field where you have most, the support of the insight around advanced reconstruction. And it's the easy part because usually you get as part of your system. Even if for us as a company, I mean, it could be a big effort, no? Uh, but we really perceive that without this, again, the device, they're not going to be smart enough to be used. But let's think about a little bit the patient journey because I think that's where everything can resonate. We talk about patient engagement. So the patient engagement starts really from uh, the first exam. And uh, we have, you know, some solution that uh, as many of you probably saw, uh, they engage with the patient, they send text, uh, they give reminders. So, you know, all good things to keep the patient engaged. But what if you can use all this data, 
okay, to start to create patient profiling. Okay, so what is actually all this data that is not like statistic, is not research studies, your data, and you use an algorithm that is start to maybe identify the patient that maybe they're not gonna come back for their follow-up, or the patient that, uh, you know, usually they arrive late. And tied to that, what is gonna happen, the system automatically is gonna send more reminder. It's gonna, say, it's gonna treat the patient a little bit in a diverse way. So when you start to really have a personalized uh, engagement with them, and after the patient, they need to arrive. So we follow the, the, the flow. They need to arrive to, to the hospital or to the imaging center. And, uh, you know, we have a problem because the patient could be late or a system, you know, it could be down for a couple of hours. So what if in real time, okay, AI can suggest and can have, modify the schedule and tell you in this moment, this is the best CT scanner, this is the best MR scanner based on the configuration and the clinical ask to perform this patient that maybe is arriving late. So real-time schedule recommendation, okay? That's what kind of like AI can do. So now we are optimizing the preparation of the patient, the patient is showing up, and now we have the perfect system to perform the patient. And we go to the image quality. I think everyone is really interested in that. Uh, but what we can do there? Of course, we can improve the image quality. But for CT, as example, we can have the same image quality, maybe better, but we can have a reduction in the dose for the patient. Okay, so more consistency and uh, a reduction in patient dose. And what about MR that I think everyone is, is really familiar? We can use AI to speed up the exam or to make the exam with high resolution, or we can have a compromise. So we all know how actually it's difficult to have a patient standing still in MR. So if I can, in this case, with AI application to have a reduction in time, you know, of, uh, you know, eight per, that means that you know, a sequence that was before, you know, eight minutes go to one or a sequence that was eight minutes go to four, but you have double of our resolution. So it's really helping us, again, keep the patient flow fast. And after we need to read and, and also you, for example, you need to get the report. So what if the work list now is uh, powered by AI? And what I mean with that is that uh, we have AI that analyze the criti critical finding on the images, they flag them, and based on, on the critical finding, create a prioritization in the work list so that the radiologists, they need to get to that patient in a certain time that we define. So imagine there is a patient coming for a stroke, the system identify the images and prioritize the patient for the stroke to be written in the turnaround time that is defined by the department. So in this case, we're gonna enable the radiologists to focus what has priority or a pool of radiologists to do that. So you see, we are, really trying now as a company, but in general, the vision, we're not only doing imaging. No, we are we're trying to kind of like facilitate the patient experience, the staff experience, uh, and make much more efficient and lower the cost. So now we get to the, to the last, the most visionary, the most interesting, talking about care pathway. And again, here you see some reference to oncology, that's where we start. But again, this is again why I'm here, because after I would like to hear your suggestions, so what, please, stop me when you are around if, if you have some thought about it. But when we talk about care pathway, it could be everything, no? It could be really any application in the field. And our desire is that uh, to try to create, and we started with oncology and cardiology platform that are aggregating all the data. So when you talk about, when you see about uh, this, this graph, uh, you talk about early detection. And when you have an early detection, you have a software as example that automatically could uh, schedule a follow-up exam 
or schedule like a, a visit with a specialist. So you don't need to do it, just like based on the infrastructure, you can use natural languages recognition and your patient, it gets served, you know, and you know what is his step pretty fast. And after you integrate everything in one platform. So imagine if this patient has a history, if you have, uh, uh, again, imaging, if you have genomics, if pathology, you have all a glance in one screen. I'll show you later how it look like. And based on this, you can start to create a treatment that is based on evidence. So this is not about, of course, only the personal expertise, but you could have database. You could have actually uh, a sharing experience uh, that uh, can suggest a treatment uh, course uh, for a special patient. So when I talk about precision medicine, it's kind of really like all this data aggregation and AI could help us doing that. And the care team can collaborate around that suggestion and can actually decide what is the course of the patient. And after that, everything that is happening after that, monitoring and all the data that we could actually ac acquire with devices at home, they can get still back to the platform so that we can proactively engage with the patient if something happened and make sure that actually they are compliant with their follow-up. So if you look at this, this is again an example in oncology. What if you have access to something like this, where really like you have, a, again, we are, we are usually to look at the patient history, but what if this data, they become actionable? Because as soon as you put all this data together, that way you can really unleash the power of AI, because at this point you can really like uh, use all of this uh, to define and to start to be predictive uh, and see how the patient journey can be really orchestrated from one place. So I think I want to close with this slide where I say that we start with a problem, okay? Here you see some uh, evolution. Again, we started this three, three years ago. Here you see some evolution that we are making that kind of like problem a little bit less. So we are still far away to fix the problem. But the message for me here is that uh, AI is cool. Uh, and again, uh, as you see, he's helping uh, to really like improve all these, uh, let's say single application and phase of the patient journey. But if we don't put everything together, so if we don't work together you know, between institution and industry to put all the data together, we will never be able to influence uh, like the overall care pathway. So that that's really like uh, what, what is always a prey, you know, to our customer to help us, you know, help us, you know, make this step in digital transformation so that can, we can really do much more with the AI than we do right now. Thank you. So you can just stay up here with me because I got a couple of questions for you I, if I can get this off. So first of all, this is a really special place in my heart yeah. because the technology bug bit me. I was part of the team that got to put in the very first digital radiology solution. And at the point in time when we did it, uh, and this is, I, I don't even want to date myself, but it was it was a while ago and it was in another country. It was New Zealand. They were the very first ones to do this. There was the business case, like the efficiency. But what we found is that it dramatically changed how we practiced. I mean, we were thinking remote collaboration, but it wasn't until we actually had these on these screens with people on these different islands and very remote places that we saw the ability to zoom in, to change out. So it had these unintended or unexpected benefits. So one of the things that they were working with, and a lot of people, and you mentioned this, as everybody knows, we have a major healthcare workforce crisis. And in the last couple of years, the attitude has been, this is going to take away my job. And I have a feeling that that's what you're getting. Now the tune is, how can you get this faster into my practice? Because we don't have enough people. So can you say more about what you're seeing as far as a response that's changed where people are really anxious to have, eager to have it in? Not well, they yeah. probably are anxious. No, no, I think that, that's, a, that's a great point. And uh, I think, yes, we start to speak about AI, you know, yeah. 20 years ago, 15 years ago, and uh, again, especially on the radiology side, there was like, okay, what does what does this mean for me? Actually, the technologies at that time was not in the picture. 
to be honest. It was like, you know, reading. Now everyone needs it. So everyone, as I said, when I make the example of the virtual resident and, and this kind of example is coming is because they now start to see for this kind of task I need it. It is not going to impact my profession, you know, so, so they need that. What is the, the roadblock, as I said before, that we start to see right now, how you implement it? Well, the other, okay, so I have been to the Philips brand headquarters. I lived in the Netherlands for quite some time. And Dutch is a really hard language, as is Chinese, Japanese, all these others. With the use of AI, how are, what can we see as far as changing accessibility from a language perspective? What are some of those things that we haven't been able to do without AI and massive amounts of data that maybe we can have better radiology services in a lot of languages? I think, it, again, far away from that, again, I think there is a lot of work in uh, interoperability that are still uh, just faults of privacy and different rules uh, into the country. So, for example, when you start to show or medical records or other stuff, email report uh, that go from US to Europe, uh, is a completely different way of you know, handling, and also the GDPR and everything. So that's still a little bit like stopping us to do that. What I can say is that when we talk about follow-up and natural language recognition, that's instead is going really well. So, for example, everything we are thinking is multi-language. So when you actually, you need to have a natural language recognition on a report, it's going to work on English, but it's going to work in Chinese. That is more difficult, but again, but again, we are looking to make, of course, like this kind of AI reachable to everyone. Okay. So then my other question, final question for you, when you're talking about patient and data, and we are asking people to trust us with more and more data, yeah. headline, a billion medical images are exposed online as these images are rapidly becoming available and being shared. And we're using some older, the DICOM technologies, some of those things, but it's, it's a lot. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so how, I mean, if we, if we really want people to trust us and to be fully on board, your health systems are feeling a sense of risk because there's a liability there. There's a potential of being, I guess the data is yeah, exposed, yeah. but also hijacked. Yeah. You know, and then just losing trust with the system. I mean, a lot of patient data gets exposed. This is a, a good question because, again, some years ago, we started to talk about cloud. Mm -hmm. Everyone is, I want the cloud, I want the cloud. But after, when, we, when actually we go to customer and we say, we have this software, you can choose on-premise, on-clouds. Mm -hmm. Everyone say, I want on-premise. So... And now it's changing, but the reason f exactly for that. So as Philips, but in general, of course, we, we work a lot on, you know, cybersecurity is our top kind of like priority when we do this solution. We work with, again, we are partnered with Amazon. So we work with the, again, partner that they know what they do. We don't build the Philips cloud, you know? And so, so that's kind of like giving us, a, of course, a lot of reputation in that. And a lot of customers, they're starting to have, what we are trying to basically enable is to be compatible with them so they can have their own clouds, their own storage. So our really like model is like, you own your data. We help you inside your network, inside your firewall, inside your way of working, we help you put the right system in place, but we don't handle, we don't share, we don't really even get your data. We work inside your department. So that's really the, the point, the three point that we try to make. So everybody here is gonna get objections when they come and bring back in. What's the common objection, the most common, and what are you doing to over, well, not, it's not so much overcome it, but how do we get people on board to get more confident and eager to embrace everything that this has to offer? 
No, I think I think uh, for us is that uh, we need to start to get together and uh, again put together the imaging department, the CIO of the world, you know, the CEO. So these people need to get together. So because each person has his own goal, and sometimes the goal again, if it, I don't tell anything new, sometimes they could be a little bit conflicting. No, so I want the best imaging, but I want the best performance, and everyone care about his own thing. So I think we just need to look at much higher level and imaging. It's just a, a tool to enable a better care. So it should be usable for all, you know, all the one, all the one that needed. And so when we use for oncology or cardiology or orthopedics, uh, we need to have the same access, the same, the same possibility for everyone. And we need to break a little bit this silo that again, imaging is his own bubble. So that's really what we're trying to do. So that's why we're trying to bring these people together and change the audience. It's not only the radiologist, but it starts to be the C-level, the administration level, and the whole care team. And we listen to the orthopedics as well, and we listen to the radiologists, the nurses, everyone that, of course, it matter, like, they matter a lot. So that's good. <laughs> well, thank you so much um, for bringing the light into a very dark space. Thank you so much. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed this presentation and will consider joining us live in San Francisco for DocSF 2023, when we will explore how digital technologies will enhance, support, and enable the expansion of the outpatient surgery arena. Register now to join our mailing list at docsf.health, docsf.health, and be the first to access our limited tickets. DocSF, join the revolution.